It's time to hear God speak to us. If you'd like to open your Bibles, we're going to have two readings tonight. The first is in Proverbs. Turn to page 663. And we're reading some verses from Proverbs chapter 27. Page 663, Proverbs 27. I'm starting from verse 5. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. One who is full loathes honey from the cone, but to the hungry, even what is bitter tastes sweet. Like a bird that flees its nest is anyone who flees from home. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. Do not forsake your friend or a friend of your family, and do not go to your relative's house when disaster strikes you. Better a neighbour nearby than a relative far away. Be wise, my son, and bring joy to my heart. Then I can answer anyone who treats me with contempt. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Take the garment of one who puts up security for a stranger. Hold it in pledge if it is done for an outsider. If anyone loudly blesses their neighbour early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. A quarrelsome wife is like the dripping of a leaky roof in a rainstorm. Restraining her is like restraining the wind or grasping oil with the hand. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Our second reading is from the Gospel of John. Turn to page 1083. John chapter 15. Right at the top of the page, I'm reading from verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. 
You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. This is God's word. Well, good evening. Let me add my welcome if we've not met. Uh, my name is Matt Fuller. I'm the vicar here. And um, if you're confused by one or two things in the notices, why does Liz get an ooh when she's going to France? It's because she's marrying a French pastor. Uh, so if you want news of what she'll be doing, I mean, there's, you know, she'll be in Paris getting married. The, um, uh, don't take offense at uh, Proverbs 27 and the, and the dripping roof. The, you're going to go for equally offensive ones. Uh, to husbands. Um, what other news do I have to bring you? The, um, uh, oh, I know what I was going to say. Uh, the reference uh, Amma being interviewed. Um, Roger Carswell, who wrote the tract, uh, Our King, which uh, you know, 25,000 were given out, he got in touch this week just to say the hit rate that they're getting on the website and directly is enormous. Actually, loads and loads of people are responding saying, yeah, I'd love to know more, uh, which is a great encouragement. Right, now what are we doing? Um, We're doing uh, an unusual set of four. Uh, Next week's a bit different for Pentecost, but uh, otherwise, uh, this month, an unusual set of four, topical. Now, that's not the common habit here. Uh, Most of the time, we'll work our way through books of the Bible, and so some will be saying, what's happened to Acts? We haven't finished the book of Acts. I know. Um, We've got halfway through, and we'll pick it up again in September. Don't worry. Um, Okay, and then what about, so how, this for a month, then we're in... What do we do? To Samuel, uh, the activities of David as king um, uh, for most of the summer. So an unusual uh, four, topically. And we quite often think about something topically this time of year. And uh, this year we're thinking about friendship. Why? Because uh, I ask the staff, the PCC, what do you think we should do topically? And they tell me. So I do what I'm told. <laughs> to be honest, it's a little happier. You know, something like last year, uh, what's the differences between men and women? Everyone feels a bit nervous. The year before that, gender and sexuality, everyone feels a bit nervous. On Thursday night, I told our small group, the PTS, prepared to serve. Oh, we're starting this topical series. <gasps> What's it on? <laughs> Friendship. Ah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you won't feel like that later. <laughs> well, I hope you might. I hope you might. Let's pray. Let's pray together. Our great God and Father, we thank you that we gather in the name of Jesus, the the friend of sinners. He is our model. He is the one who gloriously, as we've read, says to his followers, I call you my friends, as he reveals what God is like, what you are like, by having friends in the disciples. Father, help us think. It's very practical as you think about friendship, but we pray that this would do as much spiritual good and we'll become more like the Lord Jesus in how we welcome with people as friends and how we're committed as friends. Move us in that direction, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, someone here kindly uh, very sent me on um, uh, Friday this article which appeared in the press. It was uh, Stig Abel. Some might know who he is or maybe not. Um, he presents Times Radio in the mornings, written some useful books. Uh, he's, he's Droll, funny man. Anyway, there he is. I'm a 43-year-old man with no friends. But he goes in the article and say, and I absolutely love that. 
Um, and I, you know, I'm not complaining. I don't want any friends um, because I've got my work and my colleagues, and they're terrific. I've got my wife and three kids, and they keep me busy. Um, and friends, there are books are better than friends. Books are more interesting. Books are more stimulating, uh, better company than friends. And you read the article and you think, oh my goodness, what a miserable curmudgeon you are. 43, you sound like you're 103. You're like the bloke in Up when you first meet him. He's just sort of grumpy as anything. But I thought I wondered, you know, really? Uh, anyway, so I looked, I clicked through a link and, oh, look, he's done a podcast on this as well. Uh, can I bear over lunchtime to, um, uh, to go for a walk and, and listen to Mr. Miserable? Uh, but anyway, you, you listen to the podcast and it's, it's, none of it's true. Um, so he says, so I've got no friends. So he asks his wife, I can't remember her name, Petula or something. Um, uh, I've got no friends. Is that bad? And she says, yeah, but it's not true, is it? Because we hang out loads with my friends and their husbands, and you really enjoy their company. And they are your friends. You've just borrowed them from me. Well, okay. <laughs> and he, he speaks to a professional psychologist and says, I've got no friends. Is that bad? And she says, well, talk me through your life. And, oh, it appears to me that your colleagues, you love them. You, you sort of really enjoy their company. And, like, you go for drinks and meals with them quite often, and they come to your house and visit you. Yeah. <laughs> It's kind of like your friends. Oh, uh, okay. And then um, his wife says, well, why don't you ring up uh, Zander, um, who, you know, and tell him, what you, ask him, hello, Zander, I've been talking about friendship. Are we friends? Well, yeah, you're my best mate. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so he finishes the podcast by saying, my claim that I've got no friends is just a load of macho posturing and is not true. Um, but anyway, the reason he says this article, and, oh, and I love books, is, oh, and by the way, I've written a book, do you want to buy it? Is this a, oh, okay. So ignore him. He's, he, he's talking twaddle. Um, because we all need friends. His great theory in this is you, two out of, you can only do two out of three. Um, career, family, or friends. There are three big areas of life, and you can only do two out of three well, and he's chosen career and family. It's a little bit like, um, let's make a choice, uh, food, water, air. You can only have two out of three. What, which, which, well, no, that, that would be absurd. I think, well, that's obviously overstating it. But I'm not completely sure. More than ever as a culture, we talk about, or the sociologists and therefore the press, talk about well-being. I'm not sure everyone... The word even existed 20 years ago, but now there's a great concern with well-being, and for good reasons. So if you read the, uh, the surveys, a, a third of young adults aged 18 to 24 in the UK feel hopeless. 20% of 16 to 25-year-olds don't believe that life is worth living. More than a quarter say that their life has no purpose. Oh. I told you it wasn't all about a laugh, looking about friendship, didn't I? But the interesting stuff when you look at all these surveys, the 10% who are happiest, who score highest for well-being, the one thing they've all got in common is quality friendships. So actually it's fundamentally important for your health to have good friendships. And the psychologist, no, the psychiatrist can tell you, it's part of it's due to oxytocin is the sort of happy drug that goes around your brain and being with your friends generates lots of oxytocin. And there's, there's medical proof um, behind all this as well. The science says it, as the government loves to say. So in one sense, 
as you turn to the Bible, you'd say, well, maybe, is that right? That after Jesus, the most significant thing for my well-being is friendship. Yeah, probably. That's right. So we're spending four weeks thinking about it. Uh, the first two weeks uh, are in the book of Proverbs. In many ways, someone's written Proverbs is like a treatise on friendship. It's one of the dominant themes uh, that comes up. But we're going to go through it a bit like this. So tonight, friends show up. Uh, next week, or two weeks' time, friends speak up. Uh, then third will be friends give themselves away. And lastly, friends forgive. Um, but uh, most of our time, or a good chunk of our time, will be in Proverbs. So we're thinking tonight that friends show up. Here we have three, uh, let's try and summarize some of the things on this in uh, three headings. You've got to be realistic, you've got to be deliberate, and you've got to be constant in friendships, all right? You've got to be realistic, you've got to be deliberate, and you've got to be constant. First then, you've got to be realistic. A righteous man, chapter 12, verse 6, 26. They're on the sheets, these. Um, they may appear, maybe not, but they're certainly on the sheet in front of you. A righteous man is cautious in friendship, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one easily angered. Or you may learn his ways and get yourself ensnared. Now, you see, all three of those have a very simple point. The people you hang out with influence you. Your friends will influence the moral direction of your lives. And most, we sort of know that mentally. You know, all parents will think, oh, I don't want my darling to fall in with the bad crowd. Oh no, they're falling in with the wrong crowd. You know, this sort of, and you, why do they th think that or, or say such a thing? Because everyone knows that who your kid is hanging out with will influence them. But it's still true as adults, those we spend time with will influence us. Sometimes we may not even notice. Now, a daft example. Uh, the other day I was in Richmond Park. Uh, we're just walking with a friend, and it was fairly early, and um, walking the dogs, and um, uh, then we, there was a, a, a flock of male cyclists, mammals, collective noun, take your pick. Um, I, I'd like to use a, a paunch of mammals, because most have um, <laughs> middle-aged men in Lycra, they tend to you know, be fit in one direction, but not in order, anyway. Um, I'm 50, I can say that, it's all right. Um, that's just how we roll. Um, but anyway, there they all were. And you walk past them and you think, oh my goodness, they're just all identical. I'm mean, they're having a water break with the same branded water bottles and checking their data. Um, what is my Strava score on their, uh, on their little technical devices? They're all wearing the same clothes. Everyone branded in Rafa tops and Rafa shorts, and you can tell me afterwards why it's really good kit, and you know, you should buy it. I know, I know. Um, and I won't be interested. Um, <laughs> I think, golly, do you, like guys, have you clocked? It's like the Stepford husbands here. You're all dressed absolutely the same. And then, we carry on, and oh, look, here's a bunch of mums pushing, like they've all got the same buggy. And their hair is all 
identical. I mean, it's almost like their roots, they've choreographed it, like there's just 0.75 millimeters showing. And their eyebrows, they're all done the same. They're all wearing the same sunglasses and the same jeans and the same boots. And oh my goodness, this is Stepford. Um, And you think, if you don't notice, you just all become like one another. Have you not noticed that? That's a bit weird. I have nothing against Richmond. <laughs> Ted Lasso set there. We love Ted Lasso. But it can be true in any setting. Now that's nonsense. It's just dress sense. Who cares? But it's also true with character. 22.4, do not make friends with a hot-tempered man or you'll, you may learn his ways and get yourself ensnared. You hang out with lots of angry people, you become angry. E.g. Twitter. But it's true of all things. You hang out with people who just grumble and complain, you become a grumbler. You hang out with those who are thankful, you become a little more thankful in life. The question Proverbs asks, chapter 13, verse 20, do you walk with the wise? Because he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Do you walk with the wise? If the people you hang out with most are obsessed with career, you'll care most about career. If the people you spend time with are all stressy, stressy, always about work and exams, you'll be stressy about exams. If your friends obsess about holidays, you'll care most about holidays. If the people you hang out most with love Jesus, verbally, they express it, demonstrably in their lives, you'll love Jesus more. One man I read on this, Thomas Brooks, he's writing 400 years ago, let those be your choicest companions who have made Christ their chief companion. Do you get that? Let those be your choicest companions who have made Christ their chief companion. Have as your best mates people who've got Jesus as their friend, their best friend. And that'll change you. That will have a massive influence upon your life. Because we've got to be honest, we are influenced by those we hang out with. Uh, my guess is, I mean, there, there's, a, there's a few here older than me, but I'm a vicar. My guess is I've been to more weddings than anyone in the room. I'm just going to put it out there. Um, you know, Phil Alcock, he might run me close, but I'm more popular. Um, that, that's, that is simply untrue. Um, uh, the, years ago, good number, the best I enjoyed most of all, uh, speeches, let's be honest, they're variable at weddings. Um, a best man's speech, it's lovely. I want to say to the groom, thank you for having me as my best man. But more than that, over the last decade, thank you for making me a much better man. Who does that for you? Who are the friends that make you better, more like Jesus? You've got to be realistic. People have a big influence on you. So be realistic. Uh, then secondly, be deliberate. Be deliberate. 
So uh, chapter 18, verse 24, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Uh, 26, uh, many a man claims to have unfailing love, but a faithful man who can find. And I put this in the wrong place, down at the bottom, chapter 27, verse 10. Do not forsake your friend and the friend of your father, and do not go to your brother's house when disaster strikes you. Better a neighbor nearby than a brother far off. Um, It's missing. Okay. Look Look at that first one. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You've got to know the difference between between companions and friends, says the writer. And in fact, lots of sensible thinkers break it down a bit further. Let's have my target. There it is. Um, So this was originally Robin Dunbar. Someone will have heard of his work, Dunbar's number, famous thing. But anyway, he originally did it, and loads of others have said, yeah, it's all true. Uh, Sociologists. So it works a bit like this, just realistically. Now, don't get carried away. We all have different capacities. Some have enormous capacity for friendship, others less so. But most of us will somewhere, depending on our work and life and patterns, will have something like between 100 and up to 500 acquaintances. That is, the people we meet in a year through our work, through social settings, uh, that sort of thing. Um, and these are people we, we enjoy recognizing. We, we, we recognize them, we enjoy meeting up with. You might only see them once a year, but if you see them, oh, nice to have a drink, how are you? But you don't pursue them any further. Okay? Something like 100 to 500, something like that. Um, then you've got companions. Somewhere 20 to 100-ish. I mean, don't get obsessed with the numbers. But, but these are people we see regularly in the course of life. Neighbors, work colleagues, relatives, church. And we can have decent relationship, perhaps up to 100, maybe. Something like that. Then you have close friends, those we talk to frequently. These are often friendships that could endure for years. These could be your university mates, even when you're of a certain vintage. And um, you don't see them very often. But when you do get together with them, oh, it's like my favorite pair of shoes. Oh, so comfortable. You just, you know, they're very close and you can instantly tell people stuff. Uh, It's that sort of thing. You you can pick up the friendship very quickly and easily again. And then confidence in the center. Realistically, one, I mean, if you're really strong socially, you might have up to six confidants. The people we share our lives with, people we're transparent before, people who know our hopes and our fears, people who know our triumphs and our failures, people who can say to us, brother, confess your sin, and you just tell them stuff. You can't have very many in that sort of category. Now, why bother with that? You have to know the difference, and you have to know there are different types of friendships. It's such a broad word. So, Stig Abel, I don't have any friends. Well, you obviously have a lot of companions that give you a great deal of pleasure. And don't miss it, all of these are good, right? Acquaintances are really good. You can see someone, you only may only see them once a year, but you have a blast when you see them, and they're a hoot, and you really enjoy their... They're all good. We need all of these things. It's not reject everything and only center on the bullseye, as it were. But you just have to be realistic. You can have a lot of companions, but no friends. In a social media world, you can have a lot of companions, 
a lot of acquaintances. They may call them friends, but they're not friends, right? You, you just have to know the difference uh, between those things. And people, you, the people you know, they'll move in and out of the circles. You know, as I think of, you know, one guy uh, in my uh, 30s, uh, late 20s into 30s, theological college, we prayed together most days. He knew everything. He walked with me through some of the bleak times in my life. But now he's at the other end of the country, and we just can't maintain that level of intimacy anymore. We just can't. So I wouldn't say he's a confidant anymore. Now, when we meet up, bang, it all comes out really quickly again, because there's that legacy. But you can't maintain that sort of volume. And lots of them come on later in life. I mean, I'm not really over-project, but I think of those who I would trust most at the moment. A couple of them I met in my 30s, one in my 40s. It doesn't have to be a long, long legacy. It'll change where you're living in the world and what's going on. But part of why I say this is, and the emphasis here, is you have to be intentional. Because we can spread ourselves over a mass of people and just not have the ability to connect deeply with a few. And that is not wisdom. You do need to connect deeply with a few, a depth of heart. Now at this point, if some go, oh, well, now I feel a bit sad because I'm not sure who's in that. You know, we all have that. Everyone goes through that, unless you're Mr. Superconfident. We all wonder at times. Yeah, I know. We get, that's why we need to forgive friends, and there's lots of other things to say. But it's never too late to make a decision to be deliberate in a friendship. It's never too late for that. It is very easy for friendship to be pushed to the bottom of the to-do list because it's not like a boss. Your friends don't nag you. Give me this tomorrow. They don't do that. Or a family member. You must come and see me this weekend. Friends don't tend to be that sort of demanding. So you can just push them down the to-do list. But it's important. C.S. Lewis, Mr. Narnia and all sorts of other things, um, uh, had a very rich friendship group uh, in Oxford with Tolkien and others you may know. I was reading some uh, book of his letters a little while ago. And he wrote to a friend, uh, he wrote to a younger man, and uh, he said, what, what, um, Mr. Lewis, what, what advice do you have to a younger man? If I had to give a piece of advice to a young man about a place to live, I would say this, sacrifice almost everything to live where you can be near your friends. I am enormously blessed in that respect. Now, that's not a proverb, but it's not in the Bible. But what do you think of that? Sacrifice almost everything to be near your friends. Huh? Career? No. Family? No. Yes, says Lewis. They're so important. They're one of the richest blessings of your life. I've got to be honest with you. There comes a tragic day when you, you say goodbye to your parents and they leave you. It's hard, I tell you. But that day comes. There's a sensible day when if you have kids, they leave you. I mean, not completely. One hopes. Just enough. Um, <laughs> but your friends, they can carry on forever with you. Into retirement, etc. Some friends. 
You've got to be intentional. Uh, let's be practical. Choices. Let me say two very practical things on this one. The choices you make. Choose. You choose. You've got to be deliberate in your choices. Um, so I think my old university gang, we've, we've chosen now. We all live all over the country. But three times a year, we always get together. I'm very helpful. One of, one of us is much more organized. There's, you need someone organized in your life, just generally. Uh, and one of them is much more organized, and we get together every summer for a, a day or two of walking, every Christmas for a meal, and they all come here to the carol service and mock me. They're not Christians. Um, uh, and uh, something different in the spring. We just always arranged it. It's another group of mates. We just, every year, the same weekend, we go walking for 36 hours. You just got to be deliberate. Those you choose to go on holiday with makes an enormous difference, that unrushed time. You make choices. You invest time. Sometimes that means money. But you've got to be really deliberate with that. I had lunch with a friend on Thursday. Uh, he's at the other end of the country now. Three times a year, uh, he comes down to London and we go and visit him. But three times a year, he takes a day off work and uh, he comes and has lunch with me. I'm like the hors d'oeuvre. I'm the starter. So we have lunch and about an hour with me. Then he goes on to see his better friend. That's all right. I'm not, that's fine. That's fine. I, I can live with being number two. He's so wonderful. Um, uh, you think three days off work, three days holiday. Yeah, and we reciprocate and go and visit him. Um, oh, yeah, he thinks it's that important. Vulnerability, you've got to make a choice with who you're vulnerable, but it costs you time, money, all sorts of things. Choices, be deliberate. Second little practical thing, you have to invest where you are. That is uh, uh, chapter 27, verse 10 of Proverbs. Oh, there's two elements to this, I think. Do not forsake your friend and the friend of your father, and don't go to your brother's house when disaster strikes you. I think the point there, longevity really matters. <laughs> um, but better a neighbor nearby than a brother far off. Because proximity matters. Now, this is why I make myself a bit unpopular, but uh, it's very easy in your 20s You've been away at university and you come to work in London and to spend so much time going to see university friends all over the country. And there's a season for many of you when it's like, oh, from May through to August, it's like a wedding a month. It's flipping expensive and, you know, um, and you're traveling, traveling, traveling. And yeah, I know, I know that. But you have to invest where you are. Have to. Makes all the difference in the world. I was thinking about this earlier. Um, dear, dear Tim Keller. Uh, I think it was the occasion, he, he, well, on one occasion he preached here a decade or so ago, and um, uh, we went for a walk afterwards. Um, and um, I was a bit low. And uh, it's when, the, particularly the morning congregation was pretty small, about 30 people here in the morning. And uh, I said, oh, I'm a bit flat. This family, they're a fairly key family, they're, they're moving. And he said, I want you to stop and think and tell me, the hardest things you find about being a minister in the city centre of London. He said, just think about it. Um, and then he, after a minute or two, he said, I'll tell you what I, my answer is. He said, the hardest things. I can't remember what he said, number three, actually. It's completely gone out of my head. It's ageing. Uh, he said, the second hardest thing, you're always broke. He said that by the nature of a city centre church, people move in, move, move out, and you've always got a shortfall and you're always worrying about how you're going to make the sums add up. And you think, 
Yep. Um, he said, but much harder than that is people you love leave. So it's the hardest thing about being city center. And I said, oh, that, that was my hardest thing. You too. Even Yoda. Um, <laughs> Yoda thinks that that's the hardest thing too. I said, how do you cope? He says, well, don't think be unkind or calculating. But what Kathy and I do is we go, oh, they're off. Oh, oh. Right, who's next? Who, who of our acquaintances do we promote and invest and deliberate and you go again? Oh, yeah, you've got friends across the country, but you have to have friends where you are. About a few months ago, I attended to someone about this sort of thing uh, here in church, a guy in their 30s uh, at CCM, and he observed, yeah, I've been here a decade, and um, a lot of the people I first clicked with, like my instant gang, they've moved out of the city now or, or back overseas. And um, so what I've done is I've looked around and basically said, okay, so you guys are still here, um, and you've been here a decade with me. Um, you're my mates. I mean, you wouldn't be my first picks. Um, <laughs> but you just spend time with people you accumulate history with people and you share life and are honest and they are your best mates. But you do have to invest where you are. If you chase, there's only two or three you can carry with you for the whole of life, right? If you chase too many, you'll never have friendships where you are. And better a neighbor nearby than a brother far off. Be realistic, be deliberate, be constant. Be constant is, is associated, really. Be constant. Chapter 17, verse 17. A friend loves at all times, but a brother is born for adversity. Like a bad tooth or a lame foot is reliance on the unfaithful in times of trouble. Do not forsake your friend and the friend of your father, and do not go to your brother's house when disaster strikes. You better a neighbor nearby than a brother far off. Okay. A friend loves at all times. A brother is born for adversity. That's a bit odd, isn't it? Uh, I think the point there is your family will always turn up in a crisis. I mean, my brother-in-law, he's a perfectly lovely bloke. We just don't see him. If anything goes wrong, he's there. He's just busy. He's got his own life. We don't hang out. But if something goes wrong, he's there. Uh, that's family. Okay? Family's often like that. Uh, your family, may be, your sibling may be your best mate. Good on you. But that is, I think, quite unusual. I think that's the point there. But a friend loves at all times, good and bad. They're always around, I think is the point of that. The next one's obvious, isn't it? Like a bad tooth, ooh, or a lame foot, uh, is reliance on the unfaithful in times of trouble. It hurts. Phil shared this with me this morning. Um, I don't know if we got it. Uh, Harsh truths I knew at 32, I know at 32, which I wish I knew at 22. Most of your friends aren't really your friends. They're just along for the ride when it's fun or convenient. Your real friends are there when you have nothing to offer. Well, that was on Twitter. So there's some wisdom on Twitter, just not a lot. Um, but um, I think Proverbs is just pithier <laughs> and more memorable. Like a bad tooth or a lame foot is reliance on the unfaithful in times of trouble. Ouch. A friend loves at all times. 
all times. They're just there, always there. I think of um, uh, being super dramatic, but one of the most um, painful moments in our life, and it was a moment, not rather than a long-running thing, but a painful moment uh, a decade ago, the little girl we'd adopted um, uh, and had been living with us for a year. We adopted her from birth. All of a sudden, the adoption order was overturned, and uh, social services removed her and uh, 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 sent her to uh, um, Austria for a relative there. And it destroyed us. It broke us as a family. Um, there are associated hard things, just so you know, uh, so you don't make the same mistake. Lots of people say really stupid things. Um, oh, well, she wasn't really yours. Well, it certainly felt like that. We adopted her from birth. Um, oh, at least you've still got another one. Brilliant. Um, all sorts of uh, daft things people say, and that's just part of the pain of when you go through something. Um, the hardest thing, I think, was uh, friends not turning up. I think with hindsight, people were nervous of saying the wrong thing, and just said nothing. One of the nicest comments was from someone here who said, um, just left a box of muffins on the front step with a card. I actually don't know what to say in this card. So I've baked and I'm praying. That's brilliant, right? If you ever wonder what to say, just do that, okay? That's absolutely brilliant. Um, or buy something else, a chocolate bar, if you can't bake. Um, but the day we found out and we were told, uh, and I told a number of friends, one guy finished work, drove three hours, sat with me in the pub for an hour and then drove home three hours for work the next day. And he could have called. Of course he could have called. But he knew that physical presence just takes things to a completely different level. And when you find those friends, you, stuff like that you don't forget. I read a sermon of Charles Spurgeon he put it this way, when thou hast found such a friend who has proved the sincerity of their friendship, when they have been faithful to thee, grapple them to yourself with hooks of steel and never let them go. <laughs> Not literally. <laughs> but you see what he's saying? If, someone, if you've got a friend like that, just love them. You do the same for them. You never let them go. Because in the end, if you want to have a friend like that, you need to be a friend like that. Friendship begins proactively. You, you, you show a level of love to people. And there's reality with these three. You can't be constant to lots of people. You can't always be there for more than a handful of people. So you have to be deliberate. Some will be long-life friends. You'll carry them with you for 50 years. Some will be proximate friends. One of those who held me most after we lost Yasmin. He's a friend I met in my 40s, but he held me most. And therefore, you've got to be realistic on this as well. You want constant friends, therefore you have to be deliberate. So choose those who are going to show you Christ. Choose those who are going to make you more like Christ. 
have them. Be deliberate. Pursue them. Why do we have John 15 read? Because in John's gospel, not just this passage, we have this extraordinary truth. How does, in John's gospel, Jesus manifest his glory in love? What does that love look like? Friendship. How, what does God loving the world look like? Jesus says, it looks like how I care for my friends. The, the friendship love that Jesus shows his disciples is the best incarnation of God loving the world in John's gospel. One scholar puts it like this. John's love for his friends is probably the most theologically important way in which John's gospel depicts Jesus as God incarnate in humanity. Well, it's pompous, but clever. God, manif- God loving the world is manifested in Jesus loving his friends. Is what's being said. And that, of course, is true. He is the great one who loves us. And you go to him and there's extraordinary resources for friendship. We're going to sing in a moment. We dug out an old hymn of John Newton's. It's terrific. One there is above all others, well deserves the name of friend. His is love beyond a brother's, costly, free, and knows no end. Could we bear from one another what he daily bears from us? Yet this glorious friend and brother loves us though we treat him thus. This wonderful virtuous cycle. You have friends who point you to Christ. And in Christ, there are the resources to be a great friend. (laughs) The ability to forgive because we all screw up. The ability to go again. The ability to sacrifice. So you want friends who point you to Christ so that Christ can help you be a friend. That's what we want to pursue. Let me pray. Let me pray. Uh, Great God and Father, here's a lovely subject to think on. And very quickly when we think on friendship, we can be a little glum because we recognize we fall short. None of us are brilliant friends. But in the Lord Jesus Christ is the ability to forgive and say, let's go again. Father, we might feel a little sad. We think, well, I haven't got any best mates. I haven't got many confidants. Well, Father, help us to be the friend to people. Let these things grow as we spend time with others? Would we be wise, shrewd, deliberate in investing where we are, not just chasing away friends at distance? Father, would we know this blessing of friendship that spurs us on to love and become more like the Lord Jesus Christ? We do pray in his name. Amen.